What's going on, Irregulars? Welcome back on another Thursday. Do you hear that beat in the background, baby? Hey, baby. Finally, 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 we have some intro music. I do want to shout out to Danny for helping us mix something together and uh, hooking us up with that. That was really cool of him. We are excited for finally having intro and outro music. Yes, we are so excited to have music from a good friend of ours from high school. I think you actually went to middle school with him, right? Uh, yeah, I, maybe. Wait, I think I may even went to elementary school. Yeah, so too. a longtime friend. His yeah. name is Dan LeBate. He is a producer. He's living in Nashville. Hopefully at some point I can go out to visit him. But um, in the meantime, he hooked us up with that great beat. If anyone is in need of any kind of music production, his Instagram handle is at D period L period productions. I'm not going to spell productions because if you don't know how to spell that, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> hey Bobby, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, man. This new week here is the start of a new month for me. Um, and every month my work schedule changes. And as you know, like working in retail and stuff like that, like you don't really live like a conventional work lifestyle. No, you're like my work husband and I'm like already ready for a divorce. It's so hard. Exactly. Except yeah. for the month of March. Except for March. I got a killer work schedule this month. It like almost perfectly aligns with like what everybody else kind of works minus having to work a Saturday, but it's fine. I make money on Saturdays. So like it's not that big of a deal, but I am just honestly, it's just like the little things in life like that, that just pump me up. Like I have a somewhat normal work schedule this month and I'm just, I'm just living in the moment for that. That's fucking great. So how about you? What's going on? I'm great. You know, just another day. I finished painting that. In the that dysfunctional life of Caitlin. <laughs> I finished painting that bar card. I put a little highlight on Instagram. So I hope you guys are all proud of me for that. And don't ever expect me to do anything like that again because it was torturous. Fair enough. However, I learned that I can't just like throw the top coat on top of it. I have to wait 30 days for it to like settle and then put a top coat on it. So. Fuck it. Whatever. Stay tuned in a month for the update. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I actually do have a funny story that happened. Bobby and I get together uh, every Tuesday to kind of discuss like business of the podcast. It's a game plan. Yeah. So we strategize and whatnot. So I decided to cook him dinner as a thank you for picking me up from the airport about a month ago, um, even though I didn't pick him up. <laughs> but but so, yeah, so he was uh, on his way over. My dad was actually at my apartment helping hang a bunch of things in the walls. I have like super strange apartment walls. Some of them have Duds. Some of them are plaster. Some of them are, I don't know enough about walls to say. But uh, basically, my dad's like, don't hang anything up because you're probably going to tear down the entire wall. Just let me do it for you. So I'm like, cool, whatever. So he's hanging this stuff up on the wall that meets my next door neighbor's wall. And our walls are paper thin. Like, I had never met this man before, but I had heard his voice so much, I felt like I knew him. However, my father was using this super powerful drill. He's like, maybe you should just go knock on the door and let him know like that we're not coming through the wall. I'm like, okay. So knock, 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 meet my neighbor. It's this like super sweet, kind of like hippie-ish, I would say mid-60s dude. Not what I pictured, but I was pleased. Um, and of course, like my dad pops his head out and he's chatting with him and they're just like going back and forth. I think he was a little bit unclear of who lived there at that point, but I tried to drive it home that it was me. But apparently not in time. So I don't even think I told you this story, Bobby. I don't know. No, this is new. <laughs> um, so, well, na the neighbor, let's call him. I forget. I think it's Scott. We'll just call him Fred. Fred. Okay. So Fred says to me, he's like, yeah, I haven't really, uh, I haven't really heard much noise from you at all yet. And like, that's great because I have been known to throw the occasional 
5 a.m. rager yeah. here and there. I've been there. <laughs> I don't have an off switch. It's a problem, but I'm working on it. Anyway, I digress. So he's like, but you know, the other night, like I, I did, I, I think I heard you for the first time and I'm like, oh, like, okay. Like, he's like, were you moving? He looks at my dad. He goes, were you moving something? And he's like, I don't live here, buddy. Like, and I'm like, oh, oh God, this, I had a bad feeling. I'm like, what is, okay. What is this man about to say? And then he's like, well, I, it sounded like there was like, I heard a bunch of like pounding and then I like, then it sounded like there was someone in pain, like almost like they were crying. And I'm like, oh, oh man. Oh no. I'm like, um, well, I, I, I stubbed my toe. I'm like, I, I, I have a sound bar. My TV is pretty loud. Like I don't, and like, meanwhile, like I had sex in the dining room that day, which <laughs> I didn't have a carpet yet. Like it was, it's very echoey in there. I'll put it that way. And like, we had been out drinking and like me and the man I'm seeing and it's whatever. So I'm like, this guy and I'm like trying to like like pivot pivot and he just keeps saying back and forth he's like yeah it was like almost like I, it sounded like you guys were moving something across the floor and then like I thought that there was like crying and I'm like oh my god my face turned stop sign red my dad just like has this look of disgust on me and on his face looking at me I'm like here I am 29 years old I don't live at home anymore and I'm still getting cock blocked in front of my father like cool oh just my gosh. really really bringing that shame back home like dad in case you were proud of me here's another time that here's you're a reminder that I'm a heathen so <laughs> great vocab word too yeah. by the way love it so yeah that that happened but uh me and Fred are thick as thieves now oh my god he actually I think I, I mentioned this prior I have a welcome mat outside of my door that says, hope yeah, the, you brought White the Claws. The White Claw thing. Because I love White Claws. And I found out he's the one who dropped off the White Claws to me Hell on yeah. Christmas. Let's go, Fred. Love Fred. Big fan. Fred. Shout out to Fred. Um, on that note, let's shout out to our guest today. Yes. Um, do you want to dive into that a little bit, Caitlin? Even though you went on just a monologue right there, I feel like it's proper for you to introduce <laughs> her. Sure. Joining us today is someone very special to me who has been through something very traumatic that Bobby and I fortunately don't can't really relate to um but I think a lot of our listeners can which is it's sad it's yeah. it's tough um, it's gonna be a tough one so today we're talking about grief um especially you know more specifically grief of someone very close to you and unfortunately this person's experience was acting as the primary caregiver for the person that they lost so without further ado, I would like to introduce my very best friend in the entire world who has tried to escape me for years. I think we're at about 15 years and counting. She's tried to ditch my ass and it will never happen. I told her I will fucking find you. And here she is, ladies and gentlemen, Nicole. Hey guys, how are you? Nicole, it's been probably, let's see here. I graduated in 09. So it's been probably 12 years since I've seen you. Sounds about right. It's crazy. And then I've actually known you since you were probably about 12 because you dated the quarterback on my football team. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. I mean, my little league, like, you know, like Pop Warner or whatever. But yeah. Blast from the past. I Blast love from that. The past. But that was, yeah, that, that's, I was like, it was funny because my, my mom was like, do I know Nicole? I was like, do you remember? <laughs> oh, I probably shouldn't say his last name. Whatever. I'll edit that out. But um, <laughs> I was like, do you remember Todd? And she was just like, yeah. And I was just like, yeah. And I was just like, oh, I think I remember and whatnot. So, yeah. but how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? You have a baby growing inside of you right now. So we commend you for coming yeah. on here with that. 
I do. <laughs> I, I, there's nothing else to say, but yes, I have a baby growing. <laughs> Nicole's beginning her quarantine tomorrow because she's due pretty much any minute. So naturally, like if you know me at all, I'm a very last minute person and I'm like, we should get you in the podcast. And then she's like, I'm quarantining for a month. I'm like, how about the day before you quarantine? How about this? I'm sure you don't have anything to get done before you stop leaving your house for a month. Like, yeah, it's going to be great. Do you have time? So, <laughs> but ironically, um, it, the, the timing works out pretty well because it falls qu- really close to the anniversary of your father passing away, which is next, uh, which will fall on March 7th. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So before we get into that, uh, tell us about yourself a little bit. Um, like Bobby said, I have a baby grown inside of me. Uh, I have another baby at home who just turned two and I am married to probably one of the coolest guys I've ever met. I can confirm. Can confirm. I haven't met him, so you I will. can't confirm. You but will. yeah, He's great. I've, I've heard good things from Caitlin, so that's what I like to hear. So how'd you two meet? We met, I was working at Stadium, now Rock and Rebel, and he's a dart junkie shooting darts there and just kind of clicked. That's literally what I did last night. I played darts all night. So if you play darts, you might meet a wife. That's yeah. what I'm hearing. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. I played darts with five other dudes, yeah. so I'm not Maybe sure. Maybe you'll meet a husband. We're here for it. It's yeah. 2021, baby. Let's go. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have to add to that. It, I was Nicole's maid of honor in her wedding, and giving her speech was the funniest thing ever because I'm like, Nicole and I are, are, are very opposite. You'll see that throughout the episode. We've been best friends since we were 12 or 13 years old, so when Nicole met her husband she was like I I used to call her the ice queen like a man would walk up to her at a bar and be like you're so beautiful can I buy you a drink she'd be like um no thank you what do you think I'm poor I can buy my own drink like get the (laughs) fuck out of here and like I'd be like dude just like first of all take the drink I'll drink it if you don't want it but also like Nicole like you put yourself out there like go on dates she's like "Mm, no I'm good better not so (laughs) so then we finally get her like set up with someone on a date and and i'm so excited for her and then she like calls me she's like i think i'm gonna cancel the date i'm like of course you are like i'm taking a page out of your book and then um she's like no it's because i met someone i'm like but you're but you're lying like just tell me the truth like you're just canceling the date but no she did and it was todd and uh and now they're married and and have one beautiful daughter and another one on the way which is very exciting i'm sure you're right not a daughter a son. Yes, a son in the way. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> so, so, yes. So, okay. So, Nicole's story is pretty – it's tough to listen to, so we will add a trigger warning about that. It is um, – it, it's it's hard, but I really recommend, you know, taking some time and listening. So, where did this all start? So, it was about the – this is going to be about the passing of your father. So, what was, what was step one? Like, what was the first thing that happened where you were like, oh, shit – time to step up and time essentially to grow up at that point. You know what I mean? You're like, I mean, you were 26 when he passed. Yep. Okay. Did he, so did he suffer and fight for a couple years before that? So, or, um, yeah. So he was diagnosed with small cell lung cancer. I want to say it was 2016. Yeah. In the summertime, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and I was working as an assistant property manager, um, he found out he was diagnosed and I was like well you live in Jersey he was living in Summers Point at the time I'm like we have an extra room you're getting your treatments like closer to where we live like why don't you just come move in with us I took FMLA um which for those who don't know is family medical leave assistance I think think, or something like that basically it means that you get paid right for no oh it just means means your job's like health secured yeah yeah 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so you won't lose your job for taking time off, basically. Yeah. Okay. So it was 12 weeks. Um, I took him to, you know, it was chemo treatments. He also was doing proton therapy. Um, I did that up until he was diagnosed in August. We did that until December. Um, and then, yeah, it started there. He had small cell lung cancer. And then I think it was the following year was when we found out it traveled to his brain. Okay. So, yeah, so you were probably, what, you were 25 or something like that? What was that? 25? And I think it's important to mention, too, that your parents had just divorced two years prior to that. So this was kind of like you were handling a lot of this on your own. Yeah. Um, my mom and my dad were friends. Like, she helped out as much as, as, much as she could. She took him to a th- few treatments for me. Um, he had a few brothers and sisters that took him as well. My brother's up in New York, so he did the best he could, too. But for the most part, it was me and my husband. Mm. So when um, so when you got this news, you know, like, what was the first thought that came across your mind? You know what I mean? Like, were you? You know, like, you always hear about people and, like, you know firsthand, like, when you're diagnosed, like, with cancer or, like, my father was diagnosed with cancer, you never think it's going to be you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. And so, like... I remember where I was when he called me to tell me he was diagnosed with cancer. Like, I remember what we did after, like, Todd and I went out to lunch because I was so upset. Like, you just never think it's going to be you. But then as he's getting treatments, I'm like, this is a walk in the park. He's going to be fine. Like, there's no way this is going to take him from us. Like, And he responded to it very similarly to how you did, Bobby. He was super positive. Like, do you want to speak a little bit to that? Oh, my God. His positivity was, like insane like he would say his chemo treatments and proton therapy treatments were a way for him to make memories like he was like you know like we're gonna get jimmy johns like after you know i get my six hours of chemo and then you know we can stop here on the way let's go to a bit like let's go to a baseball game him and my husband went to a sixers game after one of his treatments like Mm -hmm. he was all about making memories during those times and I mean, he did. He was so positive, and it made us positive. Yeah. I always say, too, I was, is that's like 50% of the battle. You know what I mean? The second that you start thinking that um, – I had mentioned this in, in my episode. Uh, I think it's three or two or three. And where for I've, anyone who's a new listener, Bobby has had cancer and, yeah. and come out on the other side of it. So he really has some, some serious experience with this. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for reminding everyone. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, so – I always used to say, like I said in an episode, I think it's two or three, I can't remember, but when I talk about my story with other people is, you know, like your men- mental state and like the way you look at the situation is 50% of the battle. The second that you start saying like, you know, like, woe is me or, you know, like, or why me or this, that, and the other thing, like that's when it's going to just take over and it's going to run with it. And if like you keep that mental state just level and you're just like, stay focused on what you see, that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. You know what I mean? There is a light and you just got to keep working towards it. Unfortunately, you know, not everybody makes it and it sucks, you know what I mean? Because it, it happens all too often and, you know, there's nothing really you can do about it, you know, but I, I commend your father for having a very similar ment- mental state. Cause especially because I didn't, uh, I didn't know him. I didn't, I didn't know your dad. And that's pretty cool that someone else who went through something similar had the same mindset as me. Cause I like to spread that to, um, I have another friend who was di- who is still going through it right now and, my whole thing. I've never had a bad day in my life. I told him that and he, he runs with that yesterday. 
oddly enough, he texted me last night and said, just got all of my scans back and um, there are no more tumors. So oh, shout out. That. That's so awesome. Yes. So that's it's actually, I totally, I just got chills because I totally forgot that he texted me that last night. But um, so what was, uh, like I said, so we have step one, like step two, like what did you, did you know you had to step up to the plate and like, I'm, I'm going to have to do this or were you kind of like, hey, let me know if you need help and then I'll be there or were you like, no, like I'm going to start doing this? Um, I was basically like, I'm going to start doing this. He very much did not want me to be the person taking care of him. Um, my biggest thing was, you took care of me my whole life. It's my turn now. Like, we're going to do this. You're going to move in with me and Todd. Um, and we're going to get through this together. You're not going to go back to your house in Summers Point, New Jersey by yourself after your treatments. Absolutely like, not. Yeah. You know, like, you're going to, like, we're going to take care of you. We're going to be a team. And that's what he wanted to do. Like, he... He knew he would need a support system, so he finally stopped fighting me. And this was really new into your relationship, too. You and Todd had just been living together for less than a year at that point, right? I think it just hit a year, yeah. Yeah. Oh, could you imagine, like, you're trying to do all that, like, young, newlywed stuff? They weren't even married. They, they weren't well, even well, engaged well, yet. I, they, but, I mean, like, you know, like, the honeymoon, honeymoon stage, stage yeah. you know what I mean? Like, we just moved in. Like, let's decorate and all that shit. I mean, not that I give a fuck about any of that stuff. But, like, you know, but, like, you know, you do all that stuff. And then it's like, oh, by the way, my dad's moving in. Oh, and by the way, we have to take care of him. Like, so what was that ooh. like for your husband? Like, when I introduced myself and said I married, like, the coolest guy ever, there was it wasn't even a thought. It wasn't even a fight. He was like, of course he's moving in with us. Like, Why would you even ask me that? Like, he yeah. was like, absolutely. What do we need to do? Like, do we need to bring furniture in? Like, he very much, like, in incredible. Like, I can't even say enough, like, nice words about it. So so he was in remission then for, for a while, correct? Or he was, what was that period like? So he stopped his final treatments in December. And then almost a year um, went by. And he still lived with us. I think he lived with us for the majority of it on and off um he ended up getting an apartment in north wales and yeah so he he was in good spirits um i think it hit the summer when he was in remission was when he was like i don't know i'm getting a little foggy i can't remember things and i'm like go to your doctor like talk to them about it like maybe they need to do another scan he had just had a pet scan done um, but it came back clean. Um, and said, instead, they sent him to a psychologist and said he needed to talk to someone, and he was just depressed. Hmm. Now, that actually brings me back. Let's backtrack a little. How did he find out he had it? Like, what was like what was this? Like, I had a mass in my groin, so, like, it's pretty obvious. It was bulging out of my hip, you know what I mean? So, you know, what was what was his cell, you know, telltale sign to go get checked out because like lung cancer, it's not like you just like look down and you're like, oh, there it is. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, so he had like a few medical issues. Like he was diagnosed with diverticulitis, which I am not a doctor nor a nurse and I don't know much, but I think it's too much. Your body's taking in too much sodium. Um, diverticulitis, I know you have uh, like bowel issues. So you have to use the bathroom a lot. All I know is he had to watch his water intake, which I had never heard before in my life until that moment. I was like, what? Yeah, what? Isn't um, water good? <laughs> <laughs> Very confused. And then um, he ended up going to the ER at Abington because he started having ear and nosebleeds. When he went there, they, like, diagnosed him with something called SUNA, which is, like, a rare headache disorder, but he still wasn't feeling right. 
Like, he really had to advocate for his own health at this point because, like, his primary doctor and every other doctor, they were like, oh, like, it could be this, it could be that. Nothing ever, like, no one ever took, like, blood work or anything like that to be, like, or, you know, chest scans. He smoked for many years. At that point, he hadn't smoked for 11 years, but you'd think that would be a red flag to get a chest scan. So he was in remission, like I was saying, and then um, around Thanksgiving, you know, he was acting a little a little weird. Um, definitely, like, not talking like himself. It was almost like he knew something, like, was not right. He kept saying to my mom, like, I just need to make it to March. I just need to make it to March. And we'll get to what was happening in March later. But... Um, it was like two days after Thanksgiving where I was at work and my husband walked in the door and at my work, my office had glass windows and I saw him and I like looked at him and he didn't even have to say anything. Like I knew something was wrong. Like I was working in Malvern. He was working in Conshohocken, I think at the time. And I'm like, what are you doing? What's wrong? And he was like, you just have to call your mom right now. And I was like, no, what is wrong? And he's like, I cannot tell you. I'm here to support you. You need to call your mom. Oh, he's the best, by the way. I just need to add that in there. He's great. He you'll love him. We've got to introduce you guys. He's great. Yeah. <laughs> so I call my mom, and I'm like, what the fuck's going on? And she's like, so your dad had a couple of scans, and they found two tumors on his brain. And I, So the cancer traveled to his brain. Which is common with small cell. Um, so that's why he, and I think I even forgot to mention this, he had preventative brain radiation after he had his chemo and proton therapy. Um, so my mom said that. I, like, dropped my phone. Like, you know how, like, in the movies where, like, people are, like, super dramatic when they get a bad news and they, like, drop their knees to the like, floor? Like, collapse, yeah. Literally what happened to me. Like, I couldn't even stand up at that point. Um, and then my boss literally packed up my stuff as I was on the floor. She didn't even know what happened. She just handed it to my husband and was like, tell her to call me later. Like, she needs to go home. So, yeah, we found out that he had brain surgery two days later. Um, what did that, can, like... To try and remove the tumors? Is that yeah. What it, okay. So he had um, two tumors. They were bilateral, so they were literally on, like, e like the same part of the brain on both sides. Okay. Um, and then that was a – that was a, a doozy. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been around anyone who had a brain – Actually, there, we have someone in mind to come on the show and speak. He's had four brain surgeries. Yeah, the, so. I, I'm curious to see if his reaction to the surgery was the same as my dad's. My dad had um, to be restrained for almost a week. Like anyone who knows him, that's not him. <laughs> like, like he's got anger in him if you piss him off. But like he's a, he's a happy-go-lucky guy. He was. He got out of his surgery, and it was a very long day. But I was like, you know, I'm going to go and see him to, just to make sure he's okay. Everyone in my family's like, he's not even going to be awake. Like, don't even bother. And I'm like, no, I, I'm going to go and see him. I wish I did not. He, <laughs> he was being restrained, screaming at the top of his lungs. Like, he turned into the Hulk. He literally got out of his restraints. They had to use the firefighter restraints on him. 
Because he's a, he's tall. He's a big, strong he, dude. He's a very, very big man. Um, and I'm like, what in God's name is going on? So that was, it was like that for about a week with him. And then what was he? What was he like freaking out about? I, I so we found out it was actually the medication that we he was being given. He was being given Ativan, but that had like a reverse effect on him. I, I took Ativan, so yeah. it made him psycho. Hmm. Like it made him like. I, yeah, it made me go to sleep. I mean, <laughs> he, sorry, Dad. He is going to kill me or curse me down from the heavens when I say some of these stories. But like, I mean. So he was restrained, so he couldn't go to the bathroom by himself. The nurse, like, went to be like, okay, it's time to empty your bladder. And she goes to hand him the thing to empty his bladder. And he was like, you know, this is considered rape in some countries. There's a lot of that going around. And I'm like, Dad, like, you can't say shit like that. And he's like, well, I don't know what she's going to grab for. And I'm like... That's it's really oh funny actually. God. That's so funny like, because when I when I went through my stuff, I I had to pee. Like when I had I had um when I went paralyzed after that, I had to pee. And my mom being yeah, and I'm like I couldn't move, so like my mom being my mom, you know, she's Italian and she's like, oh, I wanna help everybody, you know what I mean? And I was wearing shorts at the time, my mom like goes over and like they hand me a pail to take a piss in and she goes and she's like uh and she like looks at my ex-girlfriend you know now ex-girlfriend girlfriend at the time she goes all right you're up (laughs) she goes you're up and then she's like okay and she's like yeah you've probably been up there before so it's like that and like she pulled it out and held it for me So, So, uh, so now that we're looking back at this it's funny but what was that like for you at the time seeing right scary oh my gosh the first few days like i was not well um like, I didn't sleep. We got a phone call the one time, which now is hilarious, but they were like, your dad's okay, but he tricked the nurse to let him go to the bathroom himself, and he tried to escape the ICU floor. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? I'm like, wait, how did how did he trick a nurse? Like, he's in, like, restraints. Like, he's like, yeah, I guess he was being very charming. I don't, I don't know what to tell (laughs) you. Well, he has a background in sales, right? Yeah. And he he was very good at it. Very good at his job. My man. You know, I'm proud of him for that one. That is awesome. You would have loved him. He was awesome. Oh Oh my God. Yeah. So I like get that phone call at like two o'clock in the morning. So I don't sleep for two days. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to find out that like, he's like in the middle of the city somewhere, like whatever. But yeah, so so he was released from the hospital at that point. Yep. Did he ever regain was he like not lucid at this point or was he kind of lucid? Like where was his headspace at? He was actually doing pretty good. It was like so good the fact that he like called me and my mom the day that um he was being discharged and he's like, "Yeah, I'm leaving." <laughs> and we're like, "No." Like there's <laughs> no. We saw you 2 days ago. Like we saw how you were and he's like, "No, like I'm really discharged being discharged guys i'm like put your nurse on the phone now talk to her and she's like yeah he's great like he his spirits are up so me and my mom picked him up we took him for pizza and brought him back to my house and he again with the positivity like he was having a nurse come um physical therapist occupational therapist come and you know, like he was so until he's like, want to do like my workouts with me? Like I have to do this and that and try to regain my strength. So I worked out with him, like helping him with his physical therapy and everything else that he needed to be done. And that was in December. And then 
January comes and he's starting to act a little weird. Like, and by a little, I mean a lot. Like saying things that like are not like him. Um, getting really agitated and angry easily. And so um, he has, they found out that they got the tumors, but they still left cancer cells in the margin of his brain. So he needed to do additional treatment. So we um, had to take him for an MRI just to make sure, like, it didn't spread anymore. And then that day, my husband went with me. We um, took him for an MRI, found out the MRI was canceled because insurance wasn't covering it. Which oh, is a whole other topic. Yeah. Oh, into. my God. Oh, my God. My fucking... Like, uh, I can yep. just feel the blood boiling. I fucking... Don't even get me started on health insurance. Yep. Fucking snakes all of them it's it we i sat there and she said that and i'm like excuse me what she's like we called your phone and this was like a big like ding 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 something's not right and he was like you did call my phone but my wife took care of this and i think i mentioned before my parents were divorced so i'm like texting my mom and i'm like did you call the insurance company for dad and she's like what are you talking about and i'm like I, I don't know. It's him. Like, I don't know what he's talking about. Did you think, do you kind of know at that point that something was Yeah. Wrong? So he had, um, there was a nurse that worked with his doctor very closely. So I ended up calling her and being like, something's not right. And she's like, go across the street and go into the emergency room. Um, this doesn't sound good to me at all. And I was like, Okay, so I was like, you know what? Did like, you call her personal line? Like, how did you... I had her cell. Like, her work cell. So, again, I feel like advocating for yourself once again. And you, he couldn't even advocate for himself. So, he had, that's so, so I called her. She's like, go to the emergency room. Like, he will get all the tests that he needs. Like, so we go. And I know he knows that something is wrong. Like, I can tell. He's sitting there. He's fidgeting. He's like... We go, we get called back, like, I guess, like, in triage where they, like, ask them all these questions, and then they're like, go back out and we'll call you when the doctor's ready. So I'm outside on the phone with my mom, and my dad storms out, and my husband's, like, following him, like, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, what, what's going on? And, and her husband's not that tall, might I add, too, <laughs> so it's, like, trying to, like... <laughs> it's like David versus Goliath. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Literally. Like, my dad was, like, six one, and my husband's five six. So I'm, like, watching this, and I'm like, what's going on? And Todd's like, he, he refuses to stay. And I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean? I'm like, Dad, he was like, I am not... People are coughing. People are sneezing. It is dirty in there. This like pre-corona. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh like, so <laughs> I'm like... I'd, I'm like, Dad, we have to get this test done. He's like, nope, I'm not staying here. And I'm like, okay. So, like, we pack our bag, let's get into the car. I'm like, okay, like, let's just go home. I call him the doctor, and he's like, no, like, something is not right. We need to get him looked at. So I call my mom. She tries to talk to him. He's, like, being a pain in the ass. So I call my uncle, and I'm like, we need your help. He won't listen to me. He won't listen to my mom. He's like, I'll be right over. Comes over with pizza. And he's like, Chuck, like, we, we got to take you to the doctor. Something's wrong. My dad starts laughing out of nowhere. Like, like it was, like, creepy. And we're like, what are you laughing at? And he's like, see these fucking kids running around here? And we're like, what? 
there are no kids here. What are you talking about? He's like, that fucking kid from next door ran right upstairs. And we're like, no, no. Like, what are you talking about? So he's just straight up seeing things now. Yeah, he's like basically like hallucinating. Like, we're like, no, that's not right. And my uncle's like, "We, we need to get him somewhere like now. So I call the hospital he's been getting his treatments at. They take us right away. We go into the emergency room. We walk in and they take us back. We're in the emergency room and, you know, he's he's getting all these tests done. He comes back. He's like, ready to go home now. What? I don't understand why I had to come down here at 1230 at night. And we're like, oh, you know, like, just like your appointments, like, relax. And then I always compare it to this. And, Bobby, I don't know if you're a Grey's fan. But <laughs> Grey's Anatomy, by the way. No, always no, no. <laughs> But I know Katie is. And there's an episode where... All the interns are being trained on how to give people, like, bad news. And Meredith, like, here's how it's being done. And, like, she gets pissed off. She's like, you're not just giving them bad news. Like, you're giving them news that's, like, earth-shattering. They will remember your face for the rest of their life. And it's so true. Never met this doctor before. Never saw her again. She came in after all the tests and looked at us and said, the cancer's all over his brain. It's terminal. And I will never forget her face, what she looked like when she told us that. It's like, it's probably the second worst thing I heard throughout my dad's, like, whole journey with cancer. Um, and it, it was definitely hard to, I don't even know the words, like, hard to even understand because... Like I said before, when you don't you don't think you'll ever experience like cancer yourself or yeah. someone close to you, like, and you certainly don't think you're ever going to lose them to it. Like that's just like not in the cards. Like, but at that point, I was losing my dad. Okay, so this was January. Do you kind of want to get into what was happening for you in March? Yeah, um, I was supposed to marry my now husband on March 17th um because of everything going on and my dad um stayed in the hospital a few days he was getting some like radiation done until the doctors were figuring out like what to do with him at that point so is that the radiation just kind of to buy him some more time at that point yeah okay so during one of his treatments I was talking to his doctor and I was like how much time does he have? Because we know it's terminal, so we know it's not long. He's kind of like, I, I can't give you a timeline. And I'm like, well, here's the thing. I'm getting married on March 17th, so I need to know if my father is going to be there. Like, And he was like, you might want to move up your wedding. And that's frustrating like that he didn't just tell you that off the bat. Um, Yeah, like kind of pissed me off at first because I'm kind of like, well, I initially asked you. Like you could have like just said like not much time or something like less than yeah. three months yeah that's like, such a hard that's such a hard thing to tackle though like yeah it's easy to be like upset with the doctor like when you're in these shoes you know because it, that's that's the easy route the hard route is like imagine that guy he has to t- he has to say that every day you know what i mean and every single person is going to react differently you wanted the cold hard facts because you're like i'm getting fucking married i need to know this blah 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 and then there he's like okay and if he gave you the cold hard facts, you'd be like, cool, I like you, Mr. Doctor. 
But then he's like, oh, man, that worked out really great. And then you go to the next person who you have to tell the earth-shattering news to. He's like, I'm going to give him the cold, hard facts. And they're like, your dad's going to die in a week. And they're like, what the fuck? Why would you tell me that? You know what I mean? You're like, so it's like how and – and yes, they always say know your audience, read the room and whatnot. That's got to be – in the doctor's defense, like, that's got to be something hard to navigate because what do you do? What do you do? You're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. And either way, it's not like – there's nothing he's going to say that's going to make you feel better. Whether he gives you the news harsh, straightforward, beats around the bush, doesn't matter. It's not going to make you feel better. It's not going to change the outcome, unfortunately. W- what do you do, man? That's tough. That's a tough position. But then, obviously, on the receiving end, you don't give a fuck. You just, <laughs> you're like, just give me, give me the goddamn news. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I mean, all in all, like, I'm glad he, like, ended up being like, you know, you might want to move things up if you can. Um, so we did. Like Katie mentioned before. She was the maid of honor in my wedding. Um, I had a lot of great bridesmaids. My husband had a great group of groomsmen. Everyone came together, and we ended up getting married on February 3rd in our living room, actually. Okay, I was going to – so did you wind up having two weddings? Like, did you – or, like, two receptions? Like, how did that work out? So we did the ceremony at my house and had a little reception. Like, it was just – um wedding party and our families and then on march 17th we had the big reception okay. but um well before, before we get into that because that is a whole other story and stuff <laughs> i'll say this uh, by the way i'm new to all this so i uh, as i'm asking her these questions i don't know anything i know that she took care of her dad and that's and that's how it. we like it as we, you yeah. guys know we, we like to to and i'm here like a, a little bit of a spoiler alert but it also i'll say this as the the wedding party like the things that you think you're going to be planning for i mean this is my this is my best friend since i was 13 like i wanted this to be so perfect for her i was in the middle of planning her bachelorette party and we were going to go down the city and do brunch and bowling and like all these fun things and it it turned so quickly from like Okay. Can I just say something real quick? I feel like you would be the best maid of honor. This Caitlin, was because, my like, trial run. I wish I could do it again because I'd be so much fucking better at it. <laughs> yeah, <know>. like, <laughs> so when the bow renewal comes, come find me because yeah. we are going to go like, go in. Because you're just like kind of like you're like you're fun, bubbly, and like dorky, and you would do, you would go bowling, but somehow make it fun. You <laughs> but know, what I, mean? I think I will say this: this as you just you, the whole thing switched. It was like instead of planning a fun weekend for you it was okay how are we going to have a ceremony in your living room what's that going to look like how do we come up with 50 folding chairs how do we come up with a bouquet for you that's not crazy expensive because you're going to need another one in a couple of weeks but we want something nice how and do, how we, do get... we ease the pain of you you know what i mean like for for nicole it herself, was it was so know? many moving pieces that you just don't think about but it was like and she couldn't really like because in the middle of this she's taking care of her dad which we'll talk about so it was like Every, we're just like let's get a wedding together in two weeks like let's just make it happen and it i i will say i it's one thing that you don't talk about a lot um but the it really did change your wedding for you quite a bit you didn't really get to do all the things that most brides get to do so i will say i'm sorry that happened that sucks <laughs> no and like you saying that like even now we just celebrated at our third wedding anniversary i had to think about that um and i'm still a little resentful um you know you talk about like the stages of grief and stuff and like i am a firm believer like you're not like sad then angry and then you come to terms like grief is a process you go through forever and like this is my time where i get the angry stage every year i get pissed off i don't want to talk to anyone i'm not really up for celebrating like but I have to because it's the day me and my husband got married. But I look at it as 
the day we got married because my dad was dying like it it, and that's depressing like it there's no way to like sugarcoat it like you know like we had the ceremony it was beautiful don't get me wrong it was hands down the most beautiful day ever but then we woke up the next morning and my dad didn't remember it so he was living with you at this time Mm -hmm. and and it got from what I remember it took a turn pretty quickly right he was after that day that he was you got the news he kind of lost lucidity and never really fully came back yeah if you've ever seen the movie 50 first dates that's what I was living um until he passed you know we wake up in the morning and he would be like why am I here and I'm like oh like don't you remember you're having work done in your house like lying to him he's like well where's my dog and I'm like mom has Lulu well where are my car keys and I'm like they're downstairs he's like my wallet and I'm like I think mom has it and he'd like joke like yeah she definitely wants my wallet like (laughs) (laughs) like it was like that every single day and then I'd give him his medicine and he's like what's this pill for what's this pill for this this pill for and I'm like telling him what every single pill is for would you tell him the truth we never told him he was dying um and his memory was very it, it was in short spurts too like he would have like 10 seconds of this and then he would switch to 10 seconds yeah, of this and isn't it like uh same thing 51st day 10 second tom yeah it, like, like yeah mm-hmm. it was actually just like that it was and like sometimes like sometimes it like got even like he'd go back like 25 years like i'd wake him up in the morning and he'd be like can you let me sleep five more minutes? I had a crazy night. And I'm like, well, what'd you do? And he's like, I went down to the club. Me and so-and-so were there. I didn't walk in the door until 3.30 in the morning. And I'm like, ooh, crazy. Crazy. And you're I'm- like, Dad, you're on the couch watching TV <laughs> with me the whole night. <laughs> I'm like, partying hard, I see. And he's like, yeah. Like, even, like, making jokes, like, you know, I, I had some Coke. Not the drinking kind either. And I'm like, oh, not the things you want to hear come out of your father's mouth. He's like one of those guys where he like partied. He was, yeah. he was, and then he had kids and he was like the iron fist. Like yeah. you would have never known. Like, like we never knew anything. We thought her dad was like, like picture perfect picket white fence. Dude, man. there, there and was then. a reason why he was so strict with me because he never wanted me to be like, what he was (laughs) you could just say it the stories uh, like after he was diagnosed he's like i'll tell you some things and like even now i'm like i cannot believe he went to LaSalle high school and at the time they wore corduroy pants he lit a kid's pants on fire (laughs) (laughs) like (laughs) Uh, so he was talking about a lot of things that were past and and so he, he didn't really have a grasp on like what time period it was yeah like we went back and forth like i'd be like do you know who the president is and he would just be like i don't even care right now like which is not preach (laughs) that's not like him at all yeah Yeah, not (laughs) absolutely not so those are some of the funnier things do you want to get into some of the hard parts of it and at this point you were his primary caregiver did he have a nurse that was visiting like what was that like um they came every other day it wasn't like one solid nurse it would a bunch of different nurses that would come they just check his vitals and stuff um but you were administering his his were you giving him ivs or like what was that like um so they were changing and i forget the word of it maybe it's like a port i think no um he just had an iv in his arm so they were changing the dressing on it 
um, for me. And, well, we had to stop giving him fluids. We only gave him the fluids um, to get him to the wedding, actually, like to get him to February 3rd. And then we stopped. And then, like, yeah, there were times, like, where he would (laughs) try ripping out his IV and, like, blood would be everywhere. And, like, I, like I said before, I'm not a nurse. I'm not, like, I I know nothing. So (laughs) I was learning along the way. And it was it just got crazy, you know. The the weaker he got, the harder it was him having like I didn't sleep at all in case he had to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. And so I'd sit outside the bathroom. I didn't want to disturb him, but then, you know, there were a few times where I could hear him like fall. So I'd have to help my dad onto the bathroom. Those are things like you you never imagine you're going to do. Like like, I remember joking with him, like, as a teenager, like, you better be nice to me. I'm the one that picks your nursing home and who wipes your ass. And he's like, well, if you, anyone has to wipe my ass, like, kill me because I don't want that. And little did you know it was going to be you. It, like, literally. And, like, you know, like, you look back on those times and you're like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, I can't believe I went through that. And when she said she wasn't sleeping, like, you set up a cot in your living room. So mm-hmm. that, and you had, like the the camera that people use for babies and dogs and and you had that in his room so you could keep an eye on him and I'd get like a notification when there was movement and stuff like like I I turned into now like, was he like physically well like could he he could get up and walk around and stuff I mean for the for the most part because there's like I always say that there's like two different types of like there's of someone dying where like your brain and everything inside you starts to go away and that but your exoskeleton is you're you're there you're good to go like my grandmother was like that she suffered from dementia her her brain was like a plate of mashed potatoes it, it just was non-existent but physically for a much i think she was 83 or whatever i mean she looked good for 83 like she was healthy my grand my my other grandfather her husband polar opposite his body was failing around him. Mind sharp as attack. He could tell you the, the who hit home runs in the Phillies game before, what the score was, what you know, all this stuff. His mind was there, firing on all cylinders, but everything else around him was just you know whatever. So, what was your father like? Was he one or the one or the other, or he was kind of a mix. Um, his body was very very weak. Um, the day after we got married was the Eagle Super Bowl. My dad, huge Philadelphia sports fan, like. He ended up um, needing help. We had my brother and my husband having to help him down the steps to get him. So basically, he was secluded to his room the majority of the time, um, other than like when like his brothers or sisters or nieces or nephews came over, they'd help bring bring him down. Um, but yeah, he he was just weak. He like tripped a couple of times going to the bathroom. So that's when I started following him like and again he didn't really know what was going on so I basically would just be, he'd be like what are you doing out here what what what's going on and I'm like oh Bernie was Bernie's my dog like Bernie's just making noise like he has to go out like I saw you were in the bathroom I just wanted to say hi like I'd have to like make up excuses for it because he's a very proud man very hard patient so I didn't want to do anything that was going to upset him. And when when you say you weren't sleeping, like I have never, I am a firm, like if I don't sleep more than five or maybe it's me six hours, I am complete garbage. Like I am not joking because I stayed at your house a couple times throughout this. This woman did not sleep. Like if you got two hours of sleep 
in a day like that was generous and this this was like for at least I would say six weeks probably um so your brain was foggy I remember talking to you and and you were not yourself like you were exhausted all the time and like you so you were trying to be this caregiver on almost no sleep and you couldn't even hold a conversation most of the times because your brain was just so tired not to mention you're dealing with all these really tough emotions and trying to be someone's like primary caregiver men- like, mentally and physically i've exhausted. never seen a human being in my entire life operate like that for so long the way that you did it was unbelievable it definitely uh was difficult and i think what's most difficult about it and like throughout my whole grieving journey like i didn't have time to process anything i didn't have time to process like it was go time like, it was this it, is happening this is go time yeah, like i i have to do this um not not even that i have to i want to do this um i always say i was privileged enough to spend those last few weeks with him i had every meal with him i got to you know we watched that 70s show like on repeat like i was the one doing that with him and like it's the most rewarding thing but it made afterwards so much harder because everything hit like a ton of bricks you know um he ended up passing on march 7th as i said before my wedding was supposed to be march 17th we still had a reception i wanted nothing to do with that with that reception we had a funeral and a wedding reception in the same week it was like talk about fucking roller coaster yeah. <laughs> oh my god it was like actual like hell i remember just like not wanting like i'm just like do we even have to do this like yeah we do we spent the money's already in like and my mom was like your dad would be pissed off if you didn't like he would be so disappointed if you didn't do it and it was like people were trying to support you at the wedding like you look beautiful congratulations also i'm so sorry about your dad and you were like i remember you like looking at you and you just had this like glaze in your eyes the whole day and i don't do you remember any of it (laughs) i remember like bits and pieces um i remember someone drunk coming up to me being like "Eh, sorry to hear about your dad and i was like fuck you (laughs) (laughs) thank you um okay but then you had the people that like literally tiptoed around you and like it's like which is better like, you know what i mean yeah, like they're like, both terrible i you was don't... a tiptoer i'll say that i was like what do you need are you okay and you were like just get just get the fuck out of it. give me a drink right? I, was like, <laughs> I can do that i'll be back okay yeah but that wasn't even like it's it's like the people who like want to ask like oh my god how are you or how are you and like you know the difference between the two and yeah. like you're just kind of like how am i I mean, I don't want to fucking be here, but here I am. Like, did you say that? No. Oh God, I would (laughs) have. I felt like I had. I'm somebody that feels like I have to be strong for everyone else, and it was very difficult. My dad was one of seven. Um, two of his brothers and sisters had already passed away, so his five brothers and sisters were there. They were all dealing with it. My mom was dealing with it. My brother was dealing with it. Like, I felt like I had to be strong for everyone else. So, and on a day that's supposed to be your day, and right? I can say, having witnessed it, like that day, that you did that for for other people. You didn't do that for you. <laughs> yeah, like I, I always say that, and I say this to people all the time when they talk about like wedding planning and stuff. I'm like, 
It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how big it is or how expensive it is. It doesn't matter if you do it in your backyard or you go down to the Ritz-Carlton down in Philadelphia. All that matters is, is the very few people that are there. Like, and that day meant nothing to me, the 17th, because my dad wasn't there. I didn't, I didn't care how it went. I didn't care about the music that I spent days and days thinking about prior. I didn't care about the cake. I didn't care about the food. I didn't care who showed up and who didn't. And this was not, I can say, firsthand as her maid of honor. <laughs> she had a, a, an itinerary plan to send to the, to the <laughs> wedding party for the day of the wedding just to let us know what we were going to be doing that day. And she designed it on, like, really pretty paper. Like, <laughs> she is a very detail-oriented person. So for her to just be like, I didn't care about this, that's not who she is. But I think <laughs> what you're trying to get at is perspective. And I think you and I have actually talked about this quite a bit um, during Corona, how a lot of people have had to – change their plans and do you have any any a message i was gonna for, say for it's almost brides? it's almost like you did you did like the the covid wedding thing before the covid wedding thing like <laughs> i had to delay this stuff i had to or push things forward i had to make all these major adjustments because of this and then now everyone in covid are, is doing similar things obviously not as nearly impactful of, to the reason of why you had to do yours and why they have to do theirs but like that's you know, i was i was thinking the exact same thing yeah like while it was happening like i know ne- like Honestly, like, it sucks either way. Like, it sucks that you had to do it because of a pandemic. It sucks I had to do it because my dad was dying. But I hope those brides and grooms got perspective the same way I did, that it, like, it really doesn't matter if it's that big, like, wedding that you planned. Obviously, it's st- it stinks financially if you're not able to do it. Um, but other than that, like, your family's there. Like, your mom, your dad, your brother, your your best friends are there. Like that's the party. Like it doesn't it it does not matter whether or not you spend $150 on your wedding or $30,000 on your wedding. Yeah. It, it's like that that reception with your father there with the 20 people that were there was just 10,000 times more impactful than the wedding could have been without him. You know what I mean? It doesn't, you know, it it didn't make a difference at all. That's important. Absolutely. Like I was able to dance with my dad Again, it wasn't the same thing that I pictured or anything like that, but, like, I still have those pictures. I still have those memories, and I'm lucky that I have them because some people don't even get it that far. Mm-hmm. You so know that's something I, mean? I want to talk about, too, is you lost your father pretty young. You were 26, um, and you've since had children, and you're a mom now, and you're a wife. Um, talk me through that. What is that like? Or I guess maybe even the grieving process for you. Like, you lost your dad. Like, th- then what happened? Um, probably since I lost them, it's been, it hasn't really gotten easier. And, you know, you wake up every day, like, wondering when it's going to get easier. I lost my dad in March, and I found out I was pregnant with my daughter in May. Um, which is something that, like, you, you always want to experience, like, and tell your family. Like, you always think, like, how am I going to tell my husband I'm pregnant? How am I going to tell my parents I'm pregnant? You know, and I I never got that moment with my dad. Um, he very much wanted grandchildren, like, made it super, super clear how badly he wanted them, how quick he wanted them. Like, mm-hmm. he would have been the greatest pop-pop in the world. Um, so not having him and seeing his excitement really sucked for me. So I am going to backtrack a little bit, and this is a personal experience for the two of us, but I think it's really important 
like I said earlier, I wish that I had known this prior. Um, but as someone that was supporting you through this, once your dad passed, it was like we said, like it was go time and we were going, you, you were going through quite a bit trying to take care of your father. But once your dad passed, you and I both know, um, I kind of dropped off a little bit cause I was like, oh man, that was, you know, it was a lot. Like he's passed, like it's time to start grieving. Like I, I'm going to give her some space. And like that, as we've learned, wasn't necessarily the best move. And I've spoken to quite a, f- a few people who have been through loss and they say like that period after the passing is sometimes the hardest. Um, can you speak to that at all? Yeah, so definitely um, once he passed, once the wedding reception was over, um, I didn't even mention this, I actually was laid off from my job as well because I didn't qualify for FMLA. So I kind of was just taking time off, and that's when people, you know, they don't mean to, but they get back to their life. Their life is still going. My life was still at a halt. I was still trying to, you know, like... um, Process. Exactly. Like, process, like, what was going on. I was also diagnosed with PTSD after my dad died. So Which makes plenty of sense, because what you went through was very traumatic. So, like, from hearing you know like creaks upstairs to thinking he was getting up I jump up and like run upstairs and like the bedroom's empty he's not there anymore um to even just like sleeping at night waking up like in like a sweat and being like oh my god I fell asleep I've been asleep for how long like no you're allowed to sleep my life stopped where everyone else carried on with their life and you know I'm not saying like that's not fair like they shouldn't do that but carry on with your life and like still like check in every once in a while still you know like once a month hey you want to grab drinks like do you want to get out of the house and like it could be anything from just a phone call um I found a lot of people who did do stuff for me ended up like getting very resentful if I didn't show my appreciation a certain way um which kind of like still to this day I'm kind of like I'm still figuring it out. I was still figuring it out. I was obviously appreciative, but I was numb. I didn't know how to act or how not to act about, like, you know, like someone sending me flowers or something. I said thank you, but apparently it wasn't in the way that they wanted. You know what I mean? So. And I can say firsthand, I, I, I was just like, I don't know what to do. Like, and I was trying so many different things as your best friend. Like, what will be the thing that will make her feel better? And I think realizing for me as your friend like nothing's gonna make you feel better right like your dad died like there's nothing I can do that's gonna make that okay for you unless you can bring him back right and I felt defeated I remember one time I cooked you a bunch of food and I brought it over and Todd was like today's not the day I'm like and I was like I don't know what else to do like I don't understand and then I mean we have since talked about it quite a bit but I think you had said the people that treated you like you were just a person, right? Were the ones and then didn't be like, Hey, how are you? Like, how's your, how are you doing with your dad? And they were just like, Hey, I saw this funny thing on the internet today. How are you? Like those were kind of the people that you gravitated towards a little bit more. I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. And even, um, going back to his funeral, I've said to you, like so many people showed up at the funeral, but you remember the ones that came in the line who you one didn't expect to come in line and two, didn't talk to you like you they were at your dad's funeral like they were just like hey like remember this time this or that instead of being like so sorry about your loss like this is awful like I I fucking know it's awful 
thank you. I appreciate it. You don't need to it. remind me. Yeah. <laughs> like, thanks. Like, or like the ones that came in line and like told me stupid stories about my dad. Like, that's the stuff you want to hear. Yeah, I remember. So my buddy who just recently passed away, we had like a celebration of life. And like we all, we said, you know, his brother spoke a couple words and whatnot. And then we were like, does anyone want to tell any stories? And then it was like 40 minutes of like, Remember when we did this stupid shit? You're like, oh my god! Remember that one time? You're like, motherfuck! This I can't believe I lived through all this crazy shit. But like, you could see everybody laughing but crying at the same time because you're like, fuck! Like this hurts so bad, but it also feels really good, you know, at the same time. So like that that's how I like to respond to it. And I've faced a lot of death in my like with friends and family and all that stuff. So I think that's the I think what you're saying is that's the best approach where it's like. You don't need to remind me that this sucks. You don't need to tell me I'm sorry or, you know, that you're sorry. Like, it, one, it's not your fault. Two, it's not anybody's fault. It happened. You don't need to tell me that. What would be cool is tell, tell me a goofy story of my dad. Tell me tell me a time that my dad, you know, fucked up talking to some chick at the bar or, like, you know, like <laughs> something stupid, like, you know, whatever. It fell on his face or, like, or tell, tell about a time where my dad helped you. You know what I mean? Like, oh, dude, my, there was one time, you know, my, I blew a tire out of my car. It was 3 o'clock in the morning. Your dad woke up and picked it up. It was a memory I'll never forget. Tell me that shit because that makes it – that validates me feeling like shit, but it also uplifts me a little bit. Yeah, it doesn't make you feel like a victim in some way. Like, I remember just being like, I hate that people are feeling sorry for me. Like <laughs> – Because you're – I mean, your dad's proud, but you are – definitely cut from your dad's cloth like you guys are very <laughs> similar so i think being a victim for you is new because that's not a, a role you've ever played in your life ever. yeah and again like not saying like those kind words aren't appreciative they totally are and especially for i know so many people are like well what do you say to them like how do you act like what do you do like like there's they're still very appreciative but like there comes to a point where you're kind of like done <laughs> Especially when you're standing in a, at a funeral line and it's, you know, hundreds of people. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're like, oh, my God. I don't want to fucking hear this anymore. I remember <laughs> I, I, I put a Wawa bag behind you. And I remember I was, like, on, like, I called it Nicole Patrol. I'm like, you would just, like, give me a nod. And I'd be like, this means she needs Red Bull. This means she need, wants a Sour Patch Kid. Like, And you would just be like, need something. No. Need gum. Needs, and it was just, like, you were, like, a robot. Like, you weren't, like, it was very robotic for you because – like you said, it's, it's a line. It's, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You're like, all right, dude, I get it. Guess what? The person before you said that, too. And then the person before <laughs> that said it. And guess what? I bet you the person behind you is going to say the same fucking thing. And I remember. Tell me something different. You I remember you I mean? saying, and I think this is a message I'd like, to, I'd like to say on your behalf, is like, if you're one of those people that's wondering, like, should I go to a funeral? Because I think funerals, number one, if you don't want to go, don't go. Because funerals are for the living, not the dead. We say this a lot. Um. But if you feel like, I want to go to support this person, but a lot of times people look at death like an opportunity to like be sad about something and people feel guilty for wanting to mourn someone. Like, and they almost feel like, well, if I go to the funeral, are people going to be like, well, you didn't even know this person that well. Like, why are you even there? I think having seen the impact that it had on you when members of your dad's softball team when your dad was their softball coach and when you guys were 12 and they haven't seen them since like you saying things like that like seeing her show up was like wow like my dad really did have an impact so if you're wondering should i go should i not go go because it will make the family feel so good always go seeing like as exhausting as that line is like seeing how loved he was 
was the coolest thing ever. Because one, if you know my dad, he was a royal pain in the ass to everyone. Love him to death, but gave everyone a hard time. Loved to fight. Like, he... (laughs) He was just a pain in the ass, but, like, seeing all those people, like, love how much of a pain in the ass he was for just who he was genuinely was awesome. I I want to backtrack a little bit, um, and cause just because I can relate to this a little bit. Do you think that your dad's positivity, like, where he said he wanted to, like, create memories, this, any other thing, do you think that he knew that he was going to die? Yeah. Like, at that moment before it even spread and all that stuff, like, do you think he was, like... Th- I know that this is it because my my grandmother, my mom's mom, was uh, she survived breast cancer twice, if I'm not mistaken. She had a heart attack before and then ultimately wound up dying um, uh, Christmas Eve in 2001, I believe it was. And there we have talked about it. I we've unpacked it sometimes with my mom, and there's like this kind of theory that we think that she she knew that she would like when she passed. It was pretty quick and sudden. But we we thought that she knew that something was really going on, but she never wanted because stubborn Italian didn't want to be a burden on her children, all that stuff. Do you think that there was anything like that where he was like, I know I'm really sick, but I can't let this happen to, to my children and my loved ones. So I'm just going to deal with it. So I guess I never thought of it from like initially. I ne- I never even considered maybe, but. We, my family and I have talked about that, like, we weren't being told everything from him. Like, now that we've done our research on small cell lung cancer, we know you're most likely going to pass within five years, whether or not it had spread or not. Like, we did not know that. Mm -hmm. So, and we also don't know if he knew that, but he did a lot of research. So, you bringing that up, probably. He 100% probably probably did and that's probably why he wanted to make those memories during chemo and stuff you think yeah and he was like super involved in the wedding planning process like when I was finally engaged and we were going through that process like food tasting and like cake tasting like he wanted to know everything like he was so into it I mean, I don't know many fathers that... That give a shit about the flowers <laughs> in the wedding. Like, they're, just in, they're just saying, they're like, how much are they and do I have to pay for this? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, exactly. Like, he was super, super into it. And, like, even after everything, like, going to baseball games, like, he still... He was at my wedding shower the entire time. And then, True. And then came out and partied with us afterwards, which, like... Who wants yeah, to? Or you could be like my dad who made an Excel spreadsheet with a budget and said, I don't care what you do, <laughs> stay in this budget. Go. And then was like, I don't give a shit. I have to shout out your shower. It was – showers suck, right? Like you don't know this, Bobby. No, I don't. For you. Nicole was very adamant. Like I want my shower to be a party. We're getting drunk. Like <laughs> So we had a, like a, a beverage fountain that was like you plugged it in and it was like a like almost like a chocolate fountain, but it poured beverages and it lit up. I had to, like, get, like, a generator to, like, power it, and it had, what did it have in it, Nicole? Fireball, baby. Three oh. handles of fireball <laughs> in it, <laughs> and at the shower, her grandmother, <laughs> she, she took a glass, and she's like, what's this? I'm like, uh, Graham, that's that's cinnamon whiskey. She's like, all right, and just puts a glass right <laughs> under it, and it has fireball on ice. I'm like, damn, these Albers know how to party. <laughs> By the end, we were drinking out of it straight from the fountain. Mm-hmm. Like our heads under it was great. I still have the fountain if we want to bring it out for anything. Right, but um, My dad cut me off. He did. It was... 
kind of rude. He was like, he, he's like, Katie, don't give her any more, mar- any more margaritas. I'm like, sure, sure. Here you go. And like, I'm hammered. It was very tough. He ended up standing by the beverage table, making sure <laughs> no one was getting me a beverage at some point. I didn't, whatever. I was there to party. Oh my God. And he was too, clearly. <laughs> so, okay. So your dad passes, the hard part starts, and then you get pregnant. I think what a thing that I want to talk about a little bit today um, and we've kind of gotten through it with the wedding. You were, f- I don't want to say fortunate in having your dad there because although he was physically there, he wasn't necessarily fully mentally there, but kind of people who lose a parent before these big things in their life happen, like being pregnant and having your daughter. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Um, yeah. So I think, first of all, even though he wasn't mentally at my wedding, I still feel so much more blessed because I know other people don't get that at all. Um, but then comes to getting pregnant and having a baby. And that's by far, I think, the hardest thing of that process. I mean, my daughter turned two a couple of weeks ago. And, like, the day before her birthday, I was a mess. Like, just, like, crying because my dad wouldn't be, like, at the birthday party the next day. And that he he didn't he doesn't get to watch her grow up. I mean whatever you believe in like he he may or he may not um but he's not physically there and, and that, you don't get to share it with him either exactly and like you know um i've said this a hundred times he was a pain in the ass he gave his opinions when they weren't wanted i hate that i don't get to fight with him about parenting like i hate it <laughs> I, <laughs> that's a really interesting i never even thought about that like he would have been like oh you let her do that you should not do that and i would be like well she's my fucking kid so i'm letting her do it i hate that i don't even get to experience that because it's something everyone experiences with their parents i experience it with my mom but isn't it crazy how like you know because i know my sister who has a four-year-old now and a four-month or five-month year old uh, five-month five-month year old jesus but uh she uh yeah like she argues with my parents all the time you know what i mean like she's always like oh no i don't care i'm doing this or whatever and it's like they sit there and they think of it as like a negative but then you're sitting here like they just you should just own that you know what yeah. i mean like own that because it could go away and you're gonna miss those stupid arguments that were literally over nothing mm-hmm. but it was a, it was still a moment it was a memory you know what i mean yeah absolutely it's like the stupid stuff I fight with my husband about. And I'm like, you're going to miss me when I'm gone. Like, you, you may hate that now, but you're going to be like, damn, I wish she closed that toothpaste. Uh, I wish we could fight about her not closing that toothpaste. Wait, you don't close the toothpaste? <sighs> Usually guys don't do Oh, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> listen. Uh, <laughs> we all have our flaws, and it's okay. Uh, listen, I don't even have time to brush my hair, Katie. Yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, good point. Good point. So, um, so do you have any a message that you want to give to people who are who've lost someone close to them or, or just anything that you want people to know about the process, whether it's those who have gone through it, those who haven't gone through it, those who are trying to support someone through it? Like, talk to us about that. It's never ending. It's not something like you'll go through this, 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 and then life will be great again. Like, you're going to be sad. You're going to be angry. You're you're going to, like, come to terms with things. And then you're going to be really angry again. Then you're going to be really sad again. It's not like 
it, it it's it's not like it's something that like just stops you never stop missing someone you care about like it's always going to be there will it get easier sure but will you still have those days 100 percent um and i think that's important for everyone to know like you're not weird for like i still when i talk about my dad drop him in the present tense like my dad is and i like I always, like, feel the need to correct myself, but he he still is to me. Like, just because he's not here and it's who he was, he still is that person to me. I think, like, what the – like, what a good statement is, is I always used to say, too, like, it never – what do they say? It, it never gets easier, but you learn to live with it. That's a di- that's, that's two totally different things. That doesn't mean – like, you know, all the friends and family and stuff that I've lost, it's never easier, like, talking about them. I – I tear up all the time talking about certain people and whatnot that I've lost. So it's not easier. I feel that same pain, but I just learned to live with it. I don't, you go from thinking about it every minute from after it happens to every hour to then every couple hours to every day, then a week, then before you know it, it's like, okay, a month will go by. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh man, I fuck. Like I didn't think about that, you know? And then if you don't forget but you just learn to live and i think too it's you never get over it and that's one thing you and i have talked about a lot is like just not trying to get over it to to just move forward and, and move forward with it i guess maybe yeah and i as weird as it sounds um i don't think i'd be the mom that i am today had i not gone through the stuff that i went through with my dad taking care of them I'm not saying you need to take care of a dying person to be a good mom but me as some with my personality I had very little patience I have so much patience with my screaming two-year-old now it's almost insane like by now I would have lost my mind um, had I had to deal with a two-year-old arguing with me whether she is going to have the green pouch or the purple pouch for breakfast like (laughs) what's in the pouch it's like a it's like puree foods, oh. but like me and Bobby don't have kids, obviously, as we know. <laughs> Sound like pouch, like what? <laughs> it's how she gets her veggies right, and fruits, right? Without a headache. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have any advice to those who are maybe on the outside? Yeah, to those going through this right now, or, or even if it's they lost someone ten years ago. Like, what did what have you found that's been helpful for you to help you deal with this? So, I think a big thing for me. Um, one counseling um I, that has helped me a lot but when also, did you get involved in that if i can ask literally well with my dad like literally right after um but i've been in and out of counseling since i was in eighth grade um but we always plug therapy here we all we're big fans so <laughs> yeah i am very very big on therapy medication whatever makes you feel good do you Um, but also what has helped me is writing about it on social media, actually. And I've talked about this with Katie before, um, how I feel like people don't like to be vulnerable on social media because like someone's going to read the post and be like another post about her dad. Like, seriously, like we get it. He died. She's sad. Why is she still like moaning on it, uh, moaning about it on social media? And, you know, that has helped me. I'm not writing it. For other people to see, I'm writing it and posting it and because it helps me. I could care less whether you like it, comment on it, anything like that. I think it's so important for you to just find like 
what helps you and not give a fuck what other people think. Um, because like we've talked about this time in particular is a super, super hard time for me. So on memories on Facebook or time hop, it's like all pictures of my dad from three years ago around our wedding or him really sick. And like all those emotions come flooding back to me. So if I'm posting something, it's because it's helping me. It's, it's not meant to help anyone else. And I think another piece of that, too, why we decided to bring you on. We've been talking about this for quite a bit, um, besides my procrastination, which, duh. But um, knowing you personally, you really do well with helping others and making – kind of doing things that feel like they might have a purpose. And I, I would hope those listening to this, like, this can help someone, even if it's one person one time for one minute, making them feel like, okay, like I felt that, too, and I'm not alone. So we did kind of position this at a time that would distract you from that. So I think – for you, I've seen as your friend finding things to get involved in that will bring some kind of good from this. Like we, we do a walk every October, or November for for lung cancer, which you've actually gotten really involved in too. Yeah, I'm very much involved. Um, lung Cancer Research Fan- Foundation. It's a wonderful nonprofit um, that has helped me tremendously from organizing it to raising money for it. Um, to getting the team together, getting shirts together. Um, This past year, it went virtual, so I had to figure out where are we going to go? Like, where are we going to walk as a team? Where's everyone going to feel safe? Um, That keeps my mind super busy um, and helps me a lot because... Almost like gives you like a purpose. You know what I mean? Exactly. And like everyone has, at some point in their life, they're going to have a cancer story, whether it's them, someone close to them, it's unfortunate, but it's everywhere. And, like, you can't escape it at this point. Like, it's, like, so whether or not, like, I know someone else whose dad has lung cancer, like, it doesn't matter because if they see what I'm saying, they can still feel something about it. You know what I mean? Like, they're still going to feel something. They're still going to understand. it. Like, even if it's not lung cancer or cancer in general, like heart disease, like, everyone – has to come across these things at some point in their life death is inevitable exactly so knowing that you know i know you pretty well um i think helping people is a big part of who you are and it really in turn ends up helping you in return so are you comfortable with people reaching out to you about questions and stuff like that regarding this topic and, and loss and just all that kind of things yeah absolutely so feel free to plug your instagram or whatever you want to plug my instagram is at nicole alaba you might want to spell that one for everybody. <laughs> um, no spaces. N I C O L E A L L E B A C H. I hope everyone got that. I was trying to follow along, and I was like, B A L. And this is your best friend. I do want to say before we wrap it up that I am a firm believer in the universe giving you what you need when you need it, and. It turns out the day that this episode airs is the day of your dad's birthday. It so is. happy birthday to Chuck Albor. Shout out to Chuck. I love it. We miss you and we love you. And I'm, I'm just so happy that thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I, We haven't talked about it this in depth since, I mean, maybe ever. I think we went through it together, but we haven't talked about it. So it's, it's hard and you kept it together pretty well. Um, so thank you for your time. Well, thank you guys for having me. I think this is the first time I've ever actually spoke about it verbally as in depth as I have. And it was very helpful. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Like I said, it's a tough topic to unpack for yourself um, and for others to listen to. And we can't thank you enough, um, you know, for doing that. In the meantime, uh, feel free to follow the Instagram page at a regular podcast. Also, feel free to follow my personal page, which is at Yo Bob, E-Y-O-O-O underscore B-O-B. If you're not following by now, then you're just uh, you're kind of a nerd. Whatever. Uh, you can follow me, and you're not a nerd if you don't. You're just really cool if you do. It's at Katie underscore A-N-I. It's K-A-I-T-Y. If you listened to last episode, you better know how to spell my fucking name. Underscore A-N-I. Oh, my gosh. That was that was the <laughs> longest Instagram plug I've ever heard in my life. Oh. Just got to keep it a little toxic, you know? Yeah. It's just who I am. Uh, don't, don't threaten our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you. We will see you next week. We love you. Love you.